0: Listen, we started a sermon series last week entitled Fulfillment. Let me ask you, what do you think of when you think of the word fulfillment? What do you think of? Do you think of being full of life, being full of zest, being able to celebrate and living at your optimal level, at the greatest level possible? Well, we, we, we are basing this entire message on Jesus' words in John 10.10. 10. Read with me what Jesus said in John 10, 10. He said, I have come that you might have life and that you might live it or have it in the fullest. I believe what he's saying there is I come to you so that I, in order to teach you, in order to provide, in order to make possible a life so full, so complete that you would live it with absolute fulfillment. But I want you to take note of the verse or or the portion of the verse before those words. He's contrasting that with something else. He's saying, I've come to give you this, but there's somebody else involved. The enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come, and it's as if he's saying, I'm not in this world by myself. There's me, there's you, and then there's the enemy. And you get a choice in the matter. As a matter of fact, that's where we started last week. We said, you get a choice. You get a choice on how you're gonna focus your life. And listen, your focus will determine your decisions. Your decisions will determine your direction and your direction will ultimately lead to your destiny. Your destiny doesn't just happen. It's directed, it's decided upon, it's focused on day in and day out. We talked about moment by moment choosing to do the right thing. I love the way Joshua puts it in the book of Joshua. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, if it seems like, like too much trouble, if you don't want to get around to it or somehow you don't want to be bothered with it, then you can, you can choose another path. But I love what he says here. Listen to this. Put, put Joshua up there. Would you have been... But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day. Notice the emphasis on this day and notice the emphasis on a personal decision. It's not a corporate decision, it's an individual decision for each and everybody. Now, yes, we can choose corporately as a church, we can choose corporately as a state, we can choose corporately as a nation, but ultimately, The decision relies on you or lies on you as to whether or not you're going to follow Jesus or whether you're going to follow another path. Jesus put it simple. He said, there's two paths in life. Those two paths are very simple. One is wide and broad and leads where? To destruction. Do you see who's in charge of that path? But the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So if you choose that path, we know where it's headed. He puts it another way in the book of of Proverbs. He says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to life, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few will find it, few will travel by it, and that's the way of Jesus Christ. The truth of the matter is you don't get to stand with somebody else before Christ at the end, at the judgment seat. You don't get to say, well, dad, speak for me. Mom, speak for me. You know, grandma, grandpa, you guys were great prayer warriors. Would you come and stand before Jesus for me? No, the Bible says that we, each and every one of us will stand before Christ and give an account. Now, some say, well, pastor, if I'm saved, I don't have to stand before the judgment seat. I don't know about all that and all those technicalities. What I do know is this, that if you're saved, Jesus Christ will will say these words over you. Well done, my good and faithful servants. Well done, my good and faithful servants. I knew you. I know you. Come in. Come and partake. You were faithful with little, now enjoy much. You were faithful in the little things on earth. Now I give you plenty in heaven. Those are the words that are promised to us. But notice in John 7, 21, through the end of the chapter, he says, he says, Some will come to me on that day and say, Lord, 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 Lord. And he will say to them, depart from me, for I never knew you. Now, I want you to take consideration of that word know. It comes from the Greek word "konoskos," which literally means to know intimately like a spouse knows another spouse. What does it mean? Like we're supposed to be married? Yeah. Jesus says that we are his bride and he is the bridegroom and that we are to know each other like we are betrothed. And when you don't, when we haven't accepted Christ, we haven't chosen, you say, but pastor, am I supposed to choose each and every day? I I made that choice once upon a time. Let me remind you of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ who says, if any man care to be my disciple, he must what? Pick up his cross daily. He must die to himself Daily. That means moment by moment, in every situation, in every circumstance, in, every, in, in, in everything that transpires, we have to say, Lord, won't you lead me? Won't you live through me? Rule and reign for you are my king. That's what we have talked about. We have talked about the fact that we're easily distracted. I don't know about you, but I get easily distracted. I choose one day, Lord, I'm gonna be super faithful. And the next day, I, I get all distracted. I get into myself. I start following after my own desires. And I believe that's why Jesus said, Listen, don't just choose me once upon a time, choose me every day. Get up and renew your commitment to me afresh in the morning. Do it at lunchtime, do it at supper time. Keep putting me first and watch what I can do with your life. Come on, we're talking about living a life to the fullest, not just moving, not just, not just shaking about, but really making progress. I like the way uh, Denzel Washington says it. Denzel puts it this way, don't confuse movement with progress. Progress is actually getting somewhere, making the right decisions, not just making a decision. Yeah. Actually making the right decisions. That's what this entire message is about. Are you making the right decisions that are moving you closer to your dreams? Are you making the right decisions that are moving you closer to your desires, your drives, your destiny? See, some of us have been focusing on the first two levels, and these are good levels. These are good levels. There's the, the level of achievement. It's, it's honing your skills to achieve. You might be honing your talent. You might be honing your special abilities. You might be honing all sorts of things, saying, you know what? I need to become better. What kind of skills are needed to achieve? Well, we need to be disciplined. You might be honing that discipline in you. Well, we need to, uh, to be hard workers. You might be honing becoming a hard worker, a disciplined worker. What else? Being effective and efficient, not overspending, being frugal. You might be honing all of these things. And the truth is this, if you do the right things, you can succeed. Can you not? And that's a good thing because it will help you enjoy, experience the pleasures of life. Is that wrong for you to experience pleasure? I think some of us want to experience pleasure, but because we're not we're not honing the skills of achievement, we're not able to have that pleasure and when we see somebody else having it, then we tend to get jealous. Mm. Or we tend to get bitter or envious and we start to compare ourselves and you gotta be careful with this because when you start comparing, then you look over and you go, well, well, uh, why'd they get to go to Israel? Uh, Man, that must be nice. Why can't I go to Israel, God? And when we start to down it, well, it wasn't all that. I bet they didn't have that much fun. Or I bet this, or I bet that. And we start to have sour grapes. We start to have all sorts of bad attitudes. The reason I'm looking over here is because Brady and Lacey just came back from Israel. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Can I tell you something? Nothing will rob from you quicker than comparison. Because when you start comparing yourself to somebody else, then you you start trying to live what they have. And can I tell you, what's for them is for them. What's for you is for you. And them going to Israel doesn't stop you from going. You know what will? Looking over here and complaining and and bellyaching and coveting against God. That's what that will do. And God will say, well, you ain't ready to go to Israel with that attitude. Can I tell you something? I'm not making a big deal about that. I'm making a big deal about This church will be the type of church that celebrates and lifts each other up and believes the best for one another. Because when someone is promoted, then we celebrate with them. When someone is hurting, then we mourn with them. And what's for us is for us. That's very, very important because one of the ploys of the enemy is to get you looking around and focusing on the wrong things. You want to experience pleasure, that's good. You want to have skill to achieve, that's excellent. But what's even better is the joy of fulfillment. And that's what we've been talking about, being truly fulfilled. Now I'm going to give you four ways that you can focus, that you can work on, that you can begin to unfold in your life. Four areas that will bring fulfillment, but you've got to do it the right way. Excuse me, my voice has been really tired, so keep praying for it. The first one is our emotional needs. You've got to understand that each and every one of us have emotional needs and how we work and how we approach those emotional needs and how to satisfy those emotional needs is very important. It can either leave you more fulfilled or more empty. Number two, our values. What are your values? What kind of values do you set for your life? Are your values matching up? with your talk, meaning do you say one thing but live another? That's important because many of us think of our values up here, but we're living down here. How do, we bring, how do we bring agreement in that, in what we say and what we believe and how we live? Because that's when you really start feeling fulfilled. Number three, our emotional filters. What emotional filter are you using? And number four, our influences. Let's get started. Our emotional needs. What do we mean by our emotional needs? Well, these are six that I've listed, that I've noticed in life. And you might say, Pastor, there's a lot more than just that. Well, there might be, but this is good to start off with, right? This is a good starting point. Now, these are the needs that everyone I've noticed has, these six needs. Ben, the six needs, there we go. Love, security, significance, wonder. What do we mean by wonder? We'll explain all of them, but think about it wonder or adventure, progress, and contribution. Now think about this with me for a second. What is love? Love is that care, that patience, that kindness, that affection that every single human being needs from someone. We absolutely need it. How about security? Security is feeling confident in your future knowing that your life is not in jeopardy each and every moment, but that but you have some form of security. Number, number three, significance. A need to be valued, a need to be important, to be significant in this world. Number four, wonder. What do we mean by wonder? You know, if everything is super secure and you never have any challenges, how boring would that be? If everything is super secure, but you're never wowed, you know, and it's so predictable. It's like Groundhog Day, right? You know what's gonna happen every day that Bill Murray got up. You knew what was gonna happen. You just keep living the same day over and over and over. Don't you wanna be wowed? Don't you want the unexpected? Don't you want adventure and to see? Let me put it to you this way when you travel to some beautiful place and see God's majesty and handiwork on display, doesn't it leave you with a sense of wonder? We all need this in life. How about progress? We all want to know that we're making progress, that we're changing, that we're evolving, that we're becoming better in contribution. We want to live for someone greater than ourselves at the end of the day. Did we make a difference? Which goes back to significance. Now, let me ask you this. These are needs that God will use in your life to bless you. But who else is at work? The enemy, so is it possible that he could get involved and begin to distort and begin to bring up past hurts and hang ups and begin to have you chasing these needs in the wrong way and end you end up more, more empty? Let me put it to you this way Have anyone ever felt the need for significance to be important, to be valued, to the point that you compromise your own values for the sake of pleasing others? Or for the sake of of accomplishing, you work yourself to death and you do things you shouldn't have done and you cut corners and you compromise your integrity and your character only so that you can achieve higher position and prestige and status so that others can say, ooh, look at him or look at her. See, the enemy can get us compromising and actually stealing fulfillment from us by using our own needs against us. Let me put it to you another way. How many of us have ever longed for affection and sincere consideration and concern, and we call that love, that we long for it and we look for it in the wrong place, and we think that if we can only find ourselves in the arms of some young girl or some young kid, young guy, when we were young, hopefully not when you're older than you, When we're young. And we start to compromise ourselves or maybe even after you've grown and you've gone through divorce and now you want to feel that need and you start jumping in and out of relationships, giving yourself more and more. And the enemy keeps telling you, you keep doing this, you'll get more, you'll get more love only to find out you're more empty after each relationship because you keep leaving a little part of yourself with each one. And God is saying, wait till I bring you the right one, the one who will truly love you. Do you see what i'm saying here you've got to understand that these are needs but there's two people at work there's two persons there's the enemy and there's god and you get to choose who you're going to follow so you go but pastor what should i do then then you need to look at your at these emotional needs and you need to say which ones do i prioritize at the top Because everybody's different. Some might might prioritize wonder. Some might prioritize significance. Some might prioritize love. Some might prioritize you know, progress or contribution. What do you prioritize and then decide and start being very critical? Am I going to let him lead me or am I going to let the king of glory lead me? And if I'm going to let the king of glory lead me, then I'm going to start asking the hard questions. Say, God, how do you want me to Come on now. How do you want me to obtain significance? How do you want to fill this need in my life? What truth have you spoken over? me? remember I told you one of the most important things that God has given us is our resources. Last week, we talked about the four major resources, truth, time, talent, and treasure. And he's given you truth. And are you taking that truth and using it to fill those needs? Meaning he doesn't, he tells you openly, you shouldn't worry so much about what man thinks of you, worry about what he says of you. And he already calls you significant. He calls you the apple of his eye and his beloved. Find your significance there first. So you say, okay, pastor, I'm getting this. What about values? Our values. And you go, well, what are, what are values? I've heard of it in terms of corporate, corporate values. Come on, how many of you have ever worked for a corporation or an organization that had values? Raise your hand if you've ever worked for some. Why is it important for a corporation to list their values? Anyone? Because they're creating an ethos. They're creating a culture. They're instituting a DNA. What do we mean by that? We're, we mean where everyone is, is singing off the same sheet of music. Everyone is marching in the same direction. Everyone is progressing and pushing and moving forward in the same direction. And everyone knows what compels them, how they make decisions. Let me put it to you this way. I looked this up and it says an important and lasting belief system. A set of ideals shared by all the members of the culture. This is how they decide what is good, what is bad, what is desirable, what is undesirable. It governs their decisions and actions. That means it moves them forward. It keeps them moving forward. I want you to remember this. What is, the, what is, what is momentum, the equation for momentum? Anyone? P equals MV squared. MV is, is velocity M is what? Mass. So you have mass times velocity. That's, okay, so so if you're telling me the bigger something is and the faster, oh, yeah, let's just put it in common everyday terms. The bigger something is, right, the more it weighs and the faster you can get it moving, the more momentum it's gonna have, amen? Now watch this. A company, as it starts growing, has the tendency to start slowing down. But when you have the right culture, the right DNA, and you can get everybody going in the right direction, you can create an amazing effect through momentum. So let me ask you, if it's that important for a company, how much more important is it for your family? I don't know about you, but my family's more important than any company. When was the last time you took the time to set up your value system, to write it down? Oh, no, no, I I have it up here. You know what that does? It creates a discrepancy with with, with what you say and think and what you do. And that discrepancy is room for the enemy to accuse you and to affect your mental image of yourself and your ability to live fulfilled. Let me put it to you this way. One of my values is health. Why is it health? Because it goes with another value, to be disciplined. And God shared with me, Brady, not too long ago, to to, to be disciplined, to get your health going in the right direction so that you can be the best you you can be. Because if your health isn't right, then you're not going to be able to preach and pastor at the level I desire for you to lead. You're not going to be able to be the father I've called you to be. You're not going to be able to be the husband I've called you to be. You need to get your health going in the right direction. So guess what? That's one of my values. Did I write it down? Did I take the time to really focus on it, to define it, to list it, to really create a game plan and some goals, some strategies and some objectives? Did I take the time to do any of that? If I was a business owner, I probably would have, but because I'm just a man and just leading a regular old family life, I don't take the time to do that. You know what, would, you know what transpired? Nothing. You wanna know what else transpired? 20 pounds I've gained in the last year. And now, shirts aren't fitting me. And I know it's hard for you to believe because you, know, you look at me and you think, man, this guy works out. He, he's a machine. That's hard to believe, you know. This guy's a machine, but 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 I'm telling you the truth. It's a lot of hard work to keep this thing sucked in the whole time I'm preaching. <laughs> this is what it wants to do, because the truth of the matter is, I am not living like I'm talking, and the enemy starts reminding me of that. Yeah, it's easy to preach it. It's easy to think it. It's easy. Well, where's your discipline? Where's your this? Where's your that? Where's your fulfillment? Where? See, you go, oh, he doesn't run that game on me. Okay, when was the last time you felt bad about not accomplishing a New Year's resolution? Oh, I don't even feel bad anymore. They just go by the wayside. <laughs> I don't even make a New Year's resolution anymore. Okay, when was the last time you, got, uh, you felt discouraged because you're not living up to your full potential? When was the last time you took inventory and said, man, I should be doing more? What happened to this dream? What happened to that dream? We should be closer, we should be this, we should be that. Listen, the way you do it is you get your values going in the right direction. This is another thing you have to be careful with because your values will help also direct your emotional needs. What if one of my emotional needs is to have a sense of wonder? And I go out and I start missing work and I do these, all this traveling here and there all across the world on credit. One of my values keeps me in line by saying, don't use what? Don't be financially irresponsible. Make wise decisions. Therefore, your sense of wonder needs to fit within the budget. Amen? Am I speaking to anybody here? See, we're talking about real practical life, living fulfilled, right where you are. Because so many Christians, you say, Pastor, why are you preaching this way? It's almost like you're bringing this psychology and all this stuff. No, I'm bringing you what what your Christian life should look like every day. You know, so many times we get so spiritually minded, we're no earthly good. We're preaching about doctrine and this and that and all these things, and we forget that the Christian life should be lived day in and day out in the little moments, in the the hard moments, in the easy moments, in the difficult moments, in every single moment, because someone's watching and someone should be saying, man, that looks good. Man, that looks awesome. Can I have some of that? Where did you get that? Tell me more about it. There should be a consequence to the way we live. So you got your values. You say, okay, pastor, now I got these values. What do you want me to do with them? I want you to decide what's important to you and your family. Write it down. Put it on your screensaver of your phone, of your computer. Put it somewhere you can prominently see it. Take the moment to make it more than just one word. Write some sentences to it and have it set your goals. And when you set those goals, and you hold to them. Listen to what the Bible says about this. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters. You got to choose Choose once and for all this day whom you will serve, Jesus says. Listen to what James says. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at himself in the mirror and then walks away from the mirror and forgets what he looks like. That's kind of weird. can look at yourself in the mirror walk away and forget what you look like watch what else he says verse 25 but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one he will be blessed in all that he does See, when you start listing your values and your life starts being directed by those values, you will be blessed. You will feel awesome. You will will be running. You go, okay, I'm ready. You've talked to me about emotional needs. You've talked to me about values. What about emotional filters? What's an emotional filter? An emotional filter, this is is my definition, okay? Psychology according to Pastor Chris. An An emotional filter is a state of mind and a mindset. This is how it works. A state of mind is in the moment. A mindset is what's created by all those moments. It's a pattern. Does that make sense? So this is how I put it. If you are in a state of negativity and you continuously act in that state of negativity and remain in that state of negativity, you will become a pessimist. The state of negativity is the state of mind. The pessimistic mindset is, well, the mindset. Does that make sense? So that affects the way you look at the world. See, the way you look at the world is determined by your state and your mindset. Some of us have begun to look at the world very negatively. Some of us have begun to look at the world like the world looks at the world. You're called to be different. You're called to be a Christian. You're called to see it Jesus' way. You're called to have the Holy Spirit give you his filter. So how do we change this? This is how we change it. Turn, turn in your Bibles with me to understand how important your mindset is. How important your state of mind is. In the book of Proverbs, it says, better is a patient person. A person who knows how to control his mind. Listen to this. Who is self-controlled than one who can conquer cities. How about Philippians 4, 7? Let the peace of God. This peace is not from this world. It transcends. It's outside of this world. Let that guard your heart and mind. How about Colossians 3.2? Set your minds on the things above and not on earthly things. Why? He tells you in the book of Romans why. For if you set your mind on earthly things, it will lead to what? Death. But the mind governed by the spirit will lead to life. Here's that, here's that decision again. Here's that one path leads to death and destruction. The enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But God comes to give you life, to give you it eternally. There's two different paths. Okay, pastor, I'm, I'm ready. You've convinced me. How do I change my mindset, my state of mind, my emotional filter? How do I get this thing going in the right direction? Number one, start with your evenings and your mornings. Or your mornings and your evenings. You wake up first, then you go to bed. Your mornings and your evenings. Okay, what do I do there? How you wake up is very important as to how you start. And how many of you know once you start in the wrong direction, it takes an amazing amount of energy to get in the right direction. It's easier to start right and just keep it going right. Isn't that true? It's hard to change the momentum you've already started with. Now, the Bible says you should approach every day with joy. Now for me, this is a conviction that I've made. This is something I've decided that that, that lines up with one of my values. One of my values is to approach life with gratitude. To approach life with gratitude. So every day I get up and I say what? Come on, you know it. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Now when I first started doing it, I would say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And it made very little effect in my life. So I then decided to start smiling. So I smile from ear to ear. Now I want you to picture this. Picture your, not me, picture yourself waking up. You know what your bed looks like. You know how you wake up. You know what side of the room you're on. You know, picture that. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Now I want you to picture yourself waking up. And instead of saying what you usually say, instead of thinking what you usually think, I want you to say, this is the day, but with the biggest, cheesiest grin you could possibly have. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. I guarantee you it would change your life. I could sense it changing my life because I used to get up like a normal everyday dude. What does a normal everyday dude wake up like? Oh, man. I want to get up. Man, I'm tired. Oh, my gosh. I got so much to do. I got to get up. There's a lot happening. Man, babe, go wake up the kids. Make sure they're up. Uh, we got to get going. I mean, that's normal stuff, right? Instead now, I wake up and I get this big smile on my face. I open my eyes and I see the sunlight coming in and I'm like, man, God, thank you. You gave me another day. This is the day that the Lord has made. I shall rejoice. I shall be glad in it. I'm going to use it for all it's worth. I'm going I'm I'm to really live it. So this is what I'm asking you to do. In the mornings, don't, don't engage any electronic devices for the first 30 minutes. Oh, pastor, I'm going to die without my, my, my... No, no. For the first 30 minutes, this is you. I don't have the time for that. I've got to listen to this. I've got to check my this. I've got to check that. I've got to get... Listen, if you don't have 30 minutes for you, you need to reorient your entire life. Because in the morning, this is what you're doing. You have your hands open and you're saying, Lord, I want you to fill me. Not only do I want you to film me, I want you to completely direct me, line me out, point me in the right direction. This is your day. This is the day that you had made. I get to live in it, and I know that you have provided everything I need for this day. So, God, I'm just asking you to give give me your presence right now. And electronic devices tend to interrupt that process. Most people turn on TVs. Most people turn on radios. Most people turn on iTunes, all kinds of things. Leave that alone. In the evenings, this is what you do. Morning, your hands are open. Lord, give me. In the evenings, Lord, I give you my day. The Bible says that tomorrow has enough worries of its own, right? So why am I going to take worries from this day into tomorrow? I'll have them start compounding. When they compound, they crush me. So this is what I'm going to do. Lord, I finished this day. I did some things good, some things I needed to improve. Either way, I give it all to you. And I know that you are faithful. And I know, Lord, that tomorrow you will give me what I need for tomorrow. So tonight, God, restore, renew, and revive me like only you can do. I'm free from electronic devices. I'm not listening to Hannity. I'm not listening to this. I'm not listening to that. I used to love to listen to Hannity right before I go to bed. Some of you are going, why would you do that? I I don't know. I, I like listening to the news. You go, he doesn't speak the news. Oh, yeah, you better... Never mind. Like the news aren't, like the news is unbiased. Mm-mm. There's not a single news that's unbiased. He just happens to be my persuasion. So anyway, I'm listening and he's getting all riled up and I'm getting all riled up. Finally, I said, I don't need that. Turn it off. I don't listen to anybody. I don't listen to any of those jokers. They're all telling you what, you, what they want you to hear. Now what I do is I say, you know what? Lord, what do you want me to hear? You hear what I'm saying? So we relax. You go, okay, you're practicing some things. That's right, number two is practice. You gotta practice some good habits. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says. Whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, these do. And God, the God of peace, will be with you. So I want you to highlight a couple of things. Whatever you've learned, these do. That means you can learn, you learn by practicing. When you do, it's practice. You can practice certain things so that you can learn and do it better and better and better. You say, okay, well, what was he talking about here, pastor? You only gave me half the verse. Okay, I'm going to give you more. This is what he's talking about. This is the same passage except further up. So this is what he says. He says, rejoice. Again, I'm going to emphasize it. Rejoice. This is his words. When a Jewish person says things something twice, he's being very emphatic. I want you to consider the example of Jesus is king of kings, Lord of lords. Paul is not just saying rejoice. He's saying, no, no, listen to me. Rejoice, rejoice. How important is to have joy? Yeah, but that's what I'm trying to get. You got to be determined to have it. Set your mind on it. See, that's what I'm going to go after. Okay, now watch this let your gentleness be known to all men that's why i'm preaching this message because so many times christians aren't being an example to others around them he says rejoice and let that be the hallmark of your life so that other men around you and other people around you will value that watch this be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god this is what he's saying before you worry, you bring it to God. First thing in the morning, Lord, I need your help, God, with this. And then you bathe it in thanksgiving. Watch, this is how it works. Lord, this is what I need, but God, thank you because you've always provided for me. Thank you because you continue to provide for me. Thank you, Lord, because you've always been there. You've never left me, you've never forsaken me. Thank you, God, because even when I didn't deserve it, you still give. Thank you, God, because when I, when I deserved something bad, you gave me something good. Thank you, God. Oh, yeah, that need, I'm, you got it, God. You, you convince yourself that you got it when you just thank him for all that he's done and you start to realize what's already true, that God will never leave you, he'll never forsake you, that he's faithful, he's faithful. But so many times we get so focused on the moment. That's what happened to the children of Israel, think about it. God delivers them in a miraculous way. They get out in the desert and he, they think he's gonna leave them? What if they had said, thank you for this plague and that plague and this plague and that plague and this plague. Thank you for getting us out of Egypt. Thank you for giving us all their gold and silver. Thank you for leading us out in peace. Thank you for, oh yeah, you're going to provide water. But instead they had a meltdown when they didn't have water. Why? Because they didn't bother thanking him. They had a meltdown that somehow God was going to leave them to die. Then he provides water. Then they can have a meltdown because he didn't provide food. Then they have a meltdown because he didn't provide heat and they didn't have a meltdown every single time. Why? Because they don't bother thanking him. If they had bothered thanking him, that's why God says, remember. How do you remember? Say, thank you. Say, thank you. I truly believe more Christians don't have God's hand moving in their lives more because they don't bother to say, thank you. They say, Lord, give me, give me, give me. And they just move on. Gimme, give gimme, give gimme. Give they move on. Instead of, Lord, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Faith grows. We're about finished. Finally, brothers. Meditate on these things so you can practice your meditation, direct your time, direct it on whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. You know, I've been picturing certain times in my life where God has really showed up and showed off, and those have become my hallmarks that I go to, my go to thoughts. When the enemy is trying to wreck with me, I mean mess with me and, and wreck my brain and really get in there and start to, start to, to jumble things up by bringing doubt and, and, and uh, anxiety and worry or stress, I go to these thoughts. I go to these thoughts of my beautiful family and my wife and my children. I go to these thoughts when he saved me. I go to these thoughts when he called me. I go to these thoughts when God has had those one-on-one moments with me and those are the ones I focus on. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is, come on now. Is anyone following what I'm saying? And I practice keeping my mind on that. I view myself, I no, I am, a, I, am, I am the righteousness of God. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then lastly, as it pertains to our emotional state, our emotional mindset, our filter, sometimes you got to do the things that aren't as though they were. Act like you want to be. Say, but pastor, I don't feel that way. Start acting like you feel that way. Do you know there's a link between how you look and how you feel? Yeah, when I feel lousy, I look it. You can change it from the other way. You can start to look good and feel better. This is why, because God is a God of integrity and everything he creates, he created with integrity. Meaning, if you start putting a smile on your face, studies have shown, many studies Have shown that you will start feeling better in here. Why do you think athletes hype themselves up before a big game? Why do you think they do power moves? You go, Pastor, then what should I do? Well, these are some things you can practice. You can you can get a power move. I I learned a power move early on in my life. A power move was come on, get some energy going. Let's go. My son's like, what the heck are you doing? Man, I'm trying to win the Super Bowl, baby. That's what I'm trying to do. I said, what what, what do you mean the Super Bowl? I'm gonna go hit somebody. Who are you gonna hit, Dad? I don't know, somebody's gonna get hit today. Hopefully it's the enemy, right? I mean, sometimes we walk into life so just like, does does anything matter? No, my life matters, I don't know about you, but I'm gonna approach it with some, some energy. You say, oh, pastor, no, 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 no. Okay, look, give you something else. Maybe this is more in line with you. Learn to breathe. I do this in the morning when I'm praying. I I breathe. I slow my breathing down. I make sure that I'm centering on God and learn to relax and give him my worries. Let him give me his confidence and his goodness. What else can I do? I walk around with a smile, literally. Literally and i tell myself this is a great day even when it's a horrible day in others opinion and in others estimation but god has this day and he gave it to me and i'm happy that i got it because eternity will soon come will soon come for me but while i'm here i'm going to live it to the best i can eternity will soon call me home and god will soon say your job is over and your sons and your your son and your daughters will have to wait and No more kissing your wife and no more preaching and loving on your people. You gotta come home. But while I'm here, I'ma live it with all I got. I don't say that to impress upon, to impress you, but to impress upon you that if I were you, I would do the same thing. You say, okay, so then, then what? I'm gonna go to influences. That's what you do, your influences. you got to guard those. This is how we finish. Guard who you're hanging around. Bad company corrupts good character. That means you could be trying your very best. And there's a study, a Swedish study that was done in 2002, where they, they showed certain people a lot of images. And the more images they saw, the more they started to reflect what that image was projecting. What that means is that we're influenced by those around us. If you want to experience joy, get around people that experience joy. And so if you're, if you're having trouble, I would, look, I would look at your circle of influence and really ask if, if you need to be hanging around all of those. Let's keep going. The next thing I want you to know is that Sometimes we're influenced too much by the circumstance. The truth is, you may not be able to to affect 90% of what happens to you, but you can can affect 100% of the way you react to it. And this is what I would have you learn. In the book of Psalms, the Bible says something very, 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 very important. I want you to memorize this verse. For his anger lasts only a moment... But his favor lasts a lifetime. This is the part weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. What does that mean? That means there's gonna be times in our lives when we're gonna to get tough, and there's gonna be sadness, and there's gonna be hurt, and there's gonna be loss. But it doesn't last forever. There's goodness around the corner, there's something great that will come in the morning. Why is that important? Because some of us let the bottom fall out in the dark. And the reason we let the bottom fall out in the dark is because we haven't renewed our mind and set this as a a mindset. This is where I'm getting at. The Bible says, renew your mind daily. Let God set that mindset for you. Get control of your thoughts. And I think sometimes we think, this is where I finish. We're going to play some music. I think sometimes we think that it only happens in those mountain-type experiences. No, it happens throughout life. Th- that you work at it, and you practice it, and you, and you act like you want to be. And you put in the, and, and, and sometimes it's like, it, it's like plain old housekeeping, See, here at the church, every Thursday at 10 o'clock, we clean the entire, all the staff, and we have some volunteers that come, and you're more than welcome to come. We'll, we'll, we'll invite you, and we will openly receive you. Thursdays at 10 o'clock, we clean the entire facility, and Miss Lacey and her team, they clean in the back, and they clean the, the, the toys, and they clean all the classrooms, and we, we vacuum everything and we get everything ready for Sunday. But my elder, Chris, one of our elders, Chris Rowland, how many of you know Chris? Great man of God. Chris and I, we clean the restrooms, okay? And he cleans the countertops and the mirrors and the sinks and refills the paper goods, the paper uh, supplies. I clean the toilets, okay? So I clean some 20 toilets or however many there are in the entire uh, facility, and this is what I do. I have a pattern to it, okay? I go in with the uh, toilet bowl uh, liquid, and I kick up the seats, all the toilets. I just go through, I flush them, make sure they're nice and clean. Then I go in with 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 the liquid, and I spray the entire bowl. I get fast at it. Then I take the scrubber, Get the whole bowl. Go to the next one. Get the whole bowl. Get them all. Put the scrubber away. Put that stuff away. Then I come back and I get some napkins and I get the spray and I take the spray and I, the the seed is up, right? And I spray. I go through and then this is where I get, I I, I get serious with it. Y'all didn't catch that. You didn't catch that. You caught that, Nicole? Watch. Pastor, what what are you talking about? I can't help you if you don't know what I'm talking about. See, because you're too up there. Let Let me put it to you this way. Every once in a while, we have some guys that say, Pastor, can I be an intern? I say, yeah, for sure, you can be an intern. So we teach them all kinds of things about the Bible, and we teach them all kinds of things about doctrine and theology and all these, but then I teach them how to do toilets. Because if you're gonna live life up here, you gotta learn to live down here. I'm trying to help somebody. And then we had an intern who I brought in, his name was Lucas, he was 6'9", 400 pounds. Big man, and we talked to you. Talk, he'd, he'd go like this: red-headed guy with a big old beard. And he goes, Pastor Chris, so I finished. I said, Okay, let me go check. Lucas, come here. He goes, Yes, sir. I said, Does it look clean to you? Yes, sir. I cleaned it. I said, Lucas, get down here. Look at this. He goes, Oh. Oh, I said show me how you cleaned it Well, I got my rag and I went like this <laughs> Can I tell you that's how some of us are living And we're wondering why things aren't clean th- <laughs> That's how we're living right here Have hearted thoughts We don't take control of our emotional state We let everything distract us The enemy can get in there and tell us any old thing and, and, and you're trying to live up here before you learn how to live down here See life isn't always on the mountaintop. It's also in the valleys. It's also in the dark times It's in the mundane times. It's in the ordinary times. It's in the boring times It's in the regular everyday times that you build momentum. For. Come on now That's where life is made Anybody can live in the good times anybody can live but but you think the guys that get to play in the Super Bowl Just show up there because they want to be there. They got to work. They got to get in there. They got to See so so this is where I finish Sometimes I'll be cleaning and the lights go off Because the light has a timer on it and it'll go off you think I'm gonna stand up go all the way over there to turn the light back on No. I already know why because when you do something enough times you already know you can do it in dark times you can do it in daylight you can do it at nighttime you can do it at dusk come on i'm trying to tell somebody That God wants you to have a mindset that is ingrained in you. God is with you no matter what. I can, I got this. I know that God is with me. Why? Because this ain't my first rodeo. I've been walking with him a little bit. I've been talking with him a whole lot. And now I know that God is with me even when I don't, I don't say this to impress you. I say it to impress upon you. That's what you're shooting for. That's what you're wanting. Let your gentleness be known to all men. Don't freak out. With prayer and supplication, let your petitions be known to God. With thanksgiving and the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But you might have to get down a little bit. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on now. You might have to get anybody willing to just do some old fashioned living. I mean, that, that requires more prayer than talk. That requires more reliance and getting our hands there. Get, get, just get in there with the Lord and work out some faith. And that's what we'll pick it up next week. Say, pastor, just pray for me. No, no, no. I ain't praying for you. I ain't praying for you. We've been starting a new thing here Well, I want you to pray for yourself. I know how to pray. you got to learn how to pray. <laughs> Lift up your prayer right now. You say, Pastor, I'm feeling some things inside. Then close your eyes before you get out of here and say, God, work this thing out in me. I'm ready to make some decisions. Make them. Pray. Engage your king. He's an awesome king. I love you, Foundation.